you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State! Welcome in the latest episode of that. SEC Podcast, and we're brought to you by MyBookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? (laughs) Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, feeling good, because while the listeners are getting this, Shane, we are under 30 days, under a month before the start of the season. How about that, buddy? Oh, buddy, we're almost there. If they move this damn start line one more time, Mike, (laughs) (laughs) I I think we're a go, don't you? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we've had, you know, the flare up there at Vanderbilt, but apparently they only even had a few positives there. They're already back on the practice field. Um, LSU, we could start right there. They had some big news just here Uh during the week because apparently their offensive line got hit with it. Now, they're being real careful about how they're reporting this, and LSU has not officially commented, but uh, it was first reported by The Advocate that the offensive line devastated with COVID, not necessarily, you know, positive tests, but someone just – here's the thing. If you test positive, obviously, you're out for 10 days. Right. If you're what's called – a high risk, high risk proximity to someone, you're out for 14 days. So that's you don't even have to test positive. They just if they know you're around someone for longer than 15 minutes and you didn't have your mask on, you got to sit out for two weeks. So they were saying LSU was only down to four offensive linemen, but they put out a practice video on Wednesday. They had five guys there, but that's that's all they showed. So you know these are the things we're gonna have to deal with here leading up to the season. But, uh, you know, hopefully, once again, a learning lesson. But, like I said, even when they have a situation like this, we're still practicing. We're still on course. And hopefully it just, like Derek Mason said, you know, their situation just taught them a lesson for when the season arrives so that we don't have to deal with this again. Yeah, for sure. And, and Mike, real quick, got a lot of listeners down there in Louisiana and Texas. I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's dodged this thing. It, it seems to be like it's – the storm has died down quite a bit. Um, but something else I wanted to mention about the crowd, I'm kind of surprised. So are, are they coming out with the individual players that are, you know, hit with this thing? Because what I'm getting at is at my job, you know, you're not supposed to say like mm-hmm. it's, I guess as there's some sort of act or something like that. It's privacy act or whatever. Maybe I just made that thing up, but you know, <laughs> they just, 
like you don't they don't have to tell you why they're missing so i'm just curious if if we've got a player out that claims it's a you know lower body or something like that that maybe it's a corona thing have you have you thought about that or i don't know if it's different because it's college football well no it's the same deal they're not really allowed to say that's why we're you know we're not giving out the names because they're not giving them out and i don't really want to speculate and Mm-hmm. I don't want to say someone's got COVID when they don't because, right. you know, I don't want to get in trouble. But, I mean, you could potentially hide injuries like that for sure, but it's going to be pretty obvious when, you know, nowhere to be found and someone's in quarantine <laughs> for just two weeks and then he's right back into the lineup. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty obvious, you know, what's happening there. But, you know, that, yeah, that's kind of – that's going to be an all-year deal, I think. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see – particularly quarterbacks, like, do you keep them in the same meeting rooms? Do you, you know, keep the first string and the third string in there and then the second, the fourth and another? I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's going to go down. You know what? Well, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a constant learning thing. And, you know, you talk about like superior contact tracing. I guarantee they know exactly where these boys got it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think that this is an eye opener, just how serious this disease can be and uh, how careful you have to be outside the facility, uh, assuming that's where these boys got it, you know? And so I, I think it's a constant learning and, and I hope they're spreading that information to other universities to help them. Yeah. And one last thing on it, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time here on Corona, but the uh, FDA did just apparently approve a test. Only cost five bucks. They don't have to send it to a lab. They get it in results in fifteen minutes. And this bad boy is supposed to be mass produced by October, which that's right when the season's hitting. Way I mean, we got the final week of September is when we start, but then right into October, obviously. So, man, I'm hoping uh, the first fourteen cases of that thing goes over <laughs> to the SEC. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Shade, uh, you ready to go around the league? Yeah, let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, (laughs) so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so we got to start with uh, some sad news here. This is the part of, uh, you know, these training camps and everything we hate. But uh, Georgia wide receiver Dominique Blaylock suffered yet another torn ACL. And this was the guy, you may recall, during the SEC championship game against LSU, tore this his ACL. And unfortunately, it's the same ACL. So just imagine what that young guy is going through. You, know, you work all off season to get back. He was from all indications, you know, he was probably going to be a starter for the Bulldogs, worked really hard this year, and then here he tears it again. So that's just terrible. Uh, it was going to be in it, going into the sophomore season. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing we haven't talked about with this NCAA, uh, you know, giving everybody a free year. Terrible, but 
it's not going to cost him a red shirt or anything. So mm-hmm. there are positives, not of his injury, but of that NCAA, you know, decision that's going to help guys like Dominique Blaylock. And it was the same, same ACL. Yeah. Which is man, that's even sucks. worse, you know? Yeah. Uh, is well, you would know, have you, is there a way, I mean, I, I hate to say like third time's a charm, but can, can you rehab? I mean, what, a, I don't really know exactly what, I mean, you're asking me, uh, how does an ACL repair work? Is it, do they take a tendon from somewhere else or is it the same tendon they try to repair or? Um, you're, you're asking above my bank <laughs> right there, brother, but yeah, I don't know, but, um, okay. I, I have I, heard of before players having this done and, uh, even Georgia had a linebacker a couple years ago, Thomas Davis, you know, he was, mm-hmm. I think he was a touted recruit and had all these ACLs and I think it, you know, it looked like, well, there, this is going to be it for him. And mm-hmm. third time came back and then he had a long, long NFL career with the Carolina Panthers. So certainly that's something we hope for Dominique Blaylock here. And that's your medical advice from Mike and Shane. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the last two people to ask, but I'll tell you, man, I was in high school. Um, it was the last, my last practice, um, uh, in freshman year, we did these things. It's called man makers, blood box. Everybody got their own name for it, but Basically, it's you, you got one guy against another guy, and you're just trying to push him out of the box, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, we went around a few rounds. It came down to me and one other guy, and uh, I ended up dislocating my left knee, as you know. Mm. So they said I didn't need surgery, anything like that. I could fix it with rehab, and I worked it, I worked it out all summer long. And then, uh, obviously I missed the last freshman game, but then I come into sophomore season, I, I, I make it all the way through two a days and everything like that. I go to throw a football before a freshman game. We were going to run the chain game, mm-hmm. went through all those practices and dislocated the same, same damn knee again. And that time I had to have surgery and it's disheartening, man, because you think about all the work, you know, I wasn't so mad that I dislocated it the second time I was mad that I went through all that August two days <laughs> to only blow it out by throwing a 35 yard duck. You know, <laughs> so it, it, I feel for this man. Uh, I, I I know where he's at, and you know he's got. A, I'm sure he's got a great medical staff around him, and uh, I, I just wish him the best. I, I also I hate it for Georgia. You know that's a that's a position we don't need to use, lose any depth at. You know, right with this transition to the new offense. You know, I think uh, Todd Bunkin kind of talked about it. You know, they're not going to – you know, we all know George Pickens, outstanding player, but it's not going to be – you know, we got three receivers, we're good. I mean, they, they need eight, nine guys. Maybe not for every game, but, again, we're going into a 10-game SEC schedule with only one bye week, if you don't include the one at the tail end there. And they're going to need bodies at that position and good players to, to roll in and out and – you know, mm-hmm. everyone keeps talking about them being the new LSU. Well, LSU had about five, six targets on every play that they could they could right. count on to take it to the house. And Georgia, they've got the talent, but you know, they most of the guys have not proven it. So, right. yeah, this this is a big blow here. And you know, going back just for a minute to what you said about your high school injury, I remember me and your brother used to 
we used to mess with you. We'd put like food and, <laughs> and stuff just out of reach to where you could get them. <laughs> oh, you know, the worst, the worst was when I was going down, down the stairs in those crutches, man. And there was one time I was going down, I was about three steps away from the bottom and I messed up. And instead of the, the one crutch going to the next step, it just caught the edge of the step I was on. Mm -hmm. So I was just hanging, buddy. I was just standing. I, I, I couldn't, my feet were just dangling, you know, and I'm, I'm stuck on this crutch on that high step. And I, I was like, man, here we go. And man, I came down them steps. So it was just three steps. Thank God it wasn't at the top, but man, yeah, that was miserable. Worked on them. I, I got, at least I got some arm exercise two years on crutches, you know, <laughs> Shane never was a bully, but he was a guy that you we knew not to mess with because he'd whoop us. Not that summer. Not that summer. Good chase, you boys. Well, speaking of the big guys, let's uh, kick it down to Fayetteville. Woo pig. Where our guy Sam Pittman, obviously in his first training camp there as the head coach. And, man, he's taking this thing in. I'm loving the confidence from Coach Pittman. Loving what I'm hearing from him. And... Obviously, you know, we don't want to talk too much about Chad Morris in this segment, but uh, that was kind of the big thing with him was, you know, going into year two, he's hunting with no bullets and we're still installing the offense here. And uh-huh. Sam Pittman took, it's taking them about a week and a half here to get the offense 80, 90% installed. So he talks about that. Uh, I don't think we've ta- we've touched on this, but uh, the offensive line right now, their offensive line coach is out with an undisclosed pre-existing condition brad davis so um i don't really want to speculate on what that is but sam Pittman, you know that's the beauty of having an offensive line head coach minded head coach he can slide right in coach up the offensive line that's what he's doing so uh, he's got an update here on the offensive line and then i really like this comment here because arkansas to me has always been a program that prides itself on toughness and obviously that line of scrimmage play and they've certainly gotten away from that you know i've spent all off season talking up arkansas yeah and now i mean i've been very open i think the sec screwed them with the schedule and now it just made this climb even more difficult so we may have to reset the expectations a little bit in fayetteville and i think the number one goal for arkansas is obviously you want to go out there and win some games but the number one goal to me for sam Pittman is making this team tough again. And uh, he kind of talks about that here. Sam, just one of how's the, the offense going installation and pads. And two, what I was asking really was the last bunch could t- try to run a f- up-tempo offense with his personnel and couldn't. What's your confidence level that you all can do it? Well, if I wasn't confident we could do it, we wouldn't do it, uh, number one. But uh, – um, or uh, we probably, I don't know, we probably got 85, 90% of our offense in, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, uh, we're not up-tempo all the time, you know. Uh, uh, we talk about a fast offense because when we want to play at that speed, we have to be ready to play at that speed. So uh, do we practice it? Uh, we obviously do, but we're cer- certainly not up-tempo all the time. Uh, hey, hey, Sam, how you doing? Hey, Bob. Um, How's the offensive line doing overall, would you say, since you guys got in pads? And how, how's Ricky doing at center? Um, 
kind of how's he splitting his work up there and just, you know, what, what your thoughts are on the line overall? I was, I was really pleased with the line today. I thought they had uh, a, a nice practice. Uh, you know, um, we have to strain. We have to be mentally tough as a team. We have to get tougher that way. Uh, but we have to strain on our blocks. And uh, I thought they did uh, more today than what I've seen. Um, uh, we're still trying to find the right pieces. And as we find the best five we have, we're trying to find the best number six, number seven, number eight. Uh, we're still, we're a lot closer than what we were uh, a week ago, but uh, I like Ricky at center. I think he's doing a really nice job. And him and Ty are having a nice battle in there for the center spot. And we're also working Ricky at some guard. We're also working Ty at some guard. So I'm, I'm pleased of where we are right now uh, up front on the O-line. And I'm, I'm enjoying watching them be a little more physical um, the last two days and than, uh, than what uh, they were previously. What's up, Coach? Uh, so you mentioned about mental toughness and how you're really trying to preach that to your team. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches do that a lot of different ways. So what's kind of been the main strategy that you as a coaching staff has had as far as making sure that you guys are mentally tough and working on that mental toughness to make you better as the season comes along? Well, uh, first of all, I believe you have to be mentally tough before you can be physically tough. And so you have to work on them, in my opinion, in that order. And the bottom line is mental toughness you see. In other words, I, I took a shot. Am I going to get up? Am I going to go back to the sideline? Am I going to go to the trainer? Uh, or am I going to go play another play? Uh, and if I'm a little tweaked up, there's certainly, if they're injured, we don't want them out there. Um, but if they can practice, we want them to fight through the practice and let us, you know, decide whether they can you know, go full speed or can they go in individual drills and things of that nature before, you know, it was if you're out, you're just out and you don't practice individual, you don't practice one-on-one -on -one pass pro, you don't practice back paddling. And we're trying to mentally get them out there just to, okay, at the individual, can you go? Well, the answer is yes, the answer is no. We've had more yes than no. And, um, you know, today we didn't have a whole lot of wide receivers out there. I thought they fought through the practice. I made a special uh, uh, announcement after practice about those guys because they fought through it. I didn't know that they, there was not as many wide outs as normal out there uh, once the practice got going. So, I, you know, we talk about it all the time. When we say something, we expect it. The, the kids expect us to be truthful with them. And whatever we ask them to do, we expect them to do it and certainly whatever we tell them they expect us to do it all right Shane. so these are the these are the comments i like to hear from coach you know we're getting the offense going we're getting tougher players are battling out a little bit now you know there's that's obviously a fine line like he said we don't want guys out there hurt just to just to prove something or possibly get even you know worse hurt because arkansas doesn't really have the depth right now to be mm -hmm. you know have playing injured guys but uh I don't know. What what'd you think about what he had to say here? I love it, man. Um, it sounds to me like the offense is almost completely installed. Uh, you know, he's he's building that competitive depth, depth on the line. And I think you're right, Mike. I think that the toughness is the biggest one that they've got away from. And 
God, who better than Sam Pittman to just create those road hogs again? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and last thing here on Arkansas, I thought this was great. It certainly sounds like they have their starting quarterback already named. He talks about that. And then after this interview, he was on Feinbaum. He was asked about it again. This, this answer is even better. Yeah, Coach, I was wondering what your assessment is of the quarterbacks like Felipe and the other guys, and, and where, are, where do you stand on the process of maybe uh, naming a starter? Well, we might name a starter. We may already have, but we just haven't told nobody. Um, I mean, we got certain people playing with the ones and certain people playing with the twos. And to be honest with you, we haven't, we haven't switched that. So, um, I don't know if I'm going to make a public announcement of who's going to be our quarterback, but I might, but our team knows, um, that's all that really I'm concerned about. Callers that we get from Arkansas, uh, when are you going to share with us uh, your starting quarterback? <laughs> Whenever Kirby Smart shares with us who his starting quarterback is going to be at Georgia. All right, Shane, so <laughs> <laughs> Pittman's going to really dance around that. You know, you could really tell he's getting this head coaching thing in. He's no, he, he knows he's got to keep everything a secret here. He doesn't want to give uh -huh. the other team an advantage. But uh, certainly, you know, with the graduate transfer, bringing in Felipe Franks, that's got to be their guy at this point. You know, he made his decision pretty quick here when he was you know, getting recruited. I don't even think he visited Arkansas. I think it was more about playing for Kendall Bryles and staying in the SEC and yeah, his experience there against Georgia, their opener, and then the next game against Florida. So it's, it wouldn't make sense if it's anybody other than Felipe Franks not to say, you know, we've, we've been very high on K.J. Jefferson and mm -hmm. uh, this freshman they've brought in. I, I hear really good things, but – going to be Felipe to start the season you know you know why I think it's Felipe why is it because the hype team go with me here <laughs> every time they're putting out a video it seems like they like to get a little bit of Felipe in there right. and you talk about a team that's constantly filming the ball squad they clearly know who the quarterback is so it just seems only natural if you're going to hop the guy up he's going to be your starter so yeah I'm I'm pretty sold that it's going to be uh, Mr. Franks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Don't forget, uh, listeners, we're brought to you by MyBookie.ag, the online sports book. New customers receive a 100% deposit match. So that means they'll double your deposit up to $1,000 for all new customers. And all you got to do is use the promo code THATSEC over at MyBookie.ag. Double your initial deposit. So that means you put in 100 They'll give you an extra hundred, all the way up to a thousand. You could start with two thousand dollars immediately if you sign up to mybookie.ag using the promo code that SEC. We're gonna be here all football season giving you good picks, bad picks. <laughs> you know which one's which, but uh, head on over to mybookie.ag and uh, they'll double your first deposit once again. That's mybookie.ag. Winning season begins today only at my bookie. And once again, that promo code, that S-E-C, T-H-A-T-S-E-C. All right, Shane, let's jump on over to Columbia, where Will Muschamp met with the media here recently. And, uh, you know, I thought this was pretty interesting because now we know with Marshawn Lloyd out for the season, they're going to need someone else to step up. And as I, you know, I've referenced before, Gamecocks, 
fans are well aware they signed the number one junior college running back in the nation in the last cycle. So his name is Zadarius White. So maybe it's White's turn to step up. Mm-hmm. He was a formerly a signee of Florida State under Jimbo Fisher, and obviously they've had a number of coaches since Jimbo left. So who could blame him for wanting to leave FSU? But I just thought it was fascinating that old Will Muschamp admitted he picked up the phone and called Jimbo. I mean, hell, I thought this was the Davy Crockett rivalry here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently they're helping each other out. So that was pretty pretty cool. And then uh, Muschamp also talked about his quarterback competition between you know, Colorado State graduate transfer Colin Hill and Ryan Holinsky, the returning starter. And then don't forget old Luke Doty, the true freshman who's getting time at some receiver. But uh, Muschamp said he's getting some looks outside of just the wild cock. <laughs> uh, the running back group, obviously, were dealt a, a blow there with Marshawn. But Zaquandre's done some really good things. Uh, watching him move around. He's extremely intelligent. He's a, the maturity, you know, it's interesting. I, I called Jimbo, you know, uh, uh, Zaquandre signed with Florida State out of high school. So I called Jimbo just to kind of, hey, you know, what happened? And, and I think sometimes in Jimbo and, and Jay Graham, they loved him. Uh, sometimes when there is a coaching change, the coach that recruits you, uh, the head coach is not there anymore. The head coach that recruits you is not there. The position coach is not there. And, and sometimes young men lose their way a little bit as far as, you know, where, where I am in, in this process and this transition. I think that's what happened with Zaquandre. He's been great. I mean, our guys love him. And, and he's come in the building and works extremely hard, but been very, you know, pleased with him. Deshaun's had some really good days. Uh, you know, as far as our first six practices, Kevin Harris has done a good job, and Rashad Amos is a really talented young player. Uh, needs to continue to come on mentally. Uh, but again, that's kind of, and I met with our leadership group this morning. I emphasized to them, you know, this is the time of camp. You're working into that seventh, eighth, ninth practice where young players, especially, have a hard time continuing to uh, burn and strain and, and, and really push themselves. And really, where you lose more than anything is mentally, it's not physically. Yeah, Coach, could you just address kind of what it says about Colin Hill's mental and physical toughness, just his passion for the game, that he has his degree. He certainly could have walked away from football. After three ACLs, he's still out here uh, trying to compete and, and wants to play the game more than ever. Well, in the short time I've gotten to know Colin, uh, and I know him a little bit in high school when we first got here. We tried to recruit him, and uh, he was loyal to Mike in, in Colorado State. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a competitive, tough guy. Uh, he obviously has a, a, a little bit of a leg up from the standpoint of understanding the system, the terminology, what Mike expects from the quarterback position. Uh, and so from that standpoint, but he is a he is a very competitive, tough guy. And I was standing with Nick Muse the other day, and he said it's one thing coming off one ACL. I can't imagine three. And that says a lot about his toughness uh, as far as that's concerned. But it's been really – I've really enjoyed having Colin here and, and what he brings to our program and what he brings to our locker room, uh, what he brings to the quarterback room. I think he's been very good for Ryan. Uh, and I think Ryan's done a, done a really good job of continuing to learn all the different things because Mike puts a lot on the quarterback and he's very demanding of that position. Well, are you still rotating – Colin and Ryan on a daily basis with the ones. Yeah, yeah, they were, they're getting even reps. One reps with the first group uh, one day, the other one does it the next day. And then we're mixing mixing day, Luke in have there. Have you seen any daylight in that competition? Not at this time. I, mean, I think Saturday would be good to get off the field and let them go out and uh, administer the offense and, and run the offense, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Is there a time 
timeline for where the rotation has to stop and you have to have one guy getting the bulk of the snaps? Well, obviously there will be at some point. Mike and I haven't talked about that. Uh, but, you know, again, with the situation that we're going into, we need to be very fluid in what we're doing. And everybody needs to be ready to go. What have you seen from Luke Doty um, during practice? And do you envision a, a package of some sort for him now that there's no real, I guess, mm -hmm. redshirt rule this year? You know, as far as Luke was concerned, we've never had any discussion about redshirting. Uh, he was going to play. Uh, and Mike has been extremely pleased with his progression at the quarterback position uh, as well as at the, re at the receiver position. Again, we've said it before, he's one of the best athletes on our team, and, and we need to find ways to get him on the field. He's got a great competitive, ed competitive edge. He practices really hard. He runs 4-4, uh, you know, and he throws the ball extremely well. So y'all can keep talking about wildcat and all that. That's good. Let's let all the defensive coordinators think we're going to be in a wildcock formation when he's back there because he can throw the ball extremely well too. All right, Shane, so must shape. I mean, that's obviously the side of the ball that uh, has plagued him his entire career. But they've got plenty of talent here. Just yeah. once again, it seems like, you know, we're going into a season wondering about this South Carolina offense. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've it's been well chronicled there. You know, he's he's been on a hot seat, but he's probably safe now with all things considered and elite quarterbacks committed and, and everything yeah. going down. So I'm not saying it's going to cost him his job, but South Carolina is going to have another terrible season unless they get this solved. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on this quarterback competition? Because, you know, from all indications, Colin Hill has got an absolute handle on this system. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Holinsky's new to it, obviously. So, I mean, who, who do you think South Carolina fans should be rooting for here? Oh man, that's a catch twenty two. It's it's not fair because Hill ha obviously has some upside just because he knows Mike's system, mm -hmm. and that's something that he hints at. Is he's already got a leg up there, so that makes me kind of feel like he's going to be the guy, which is crazy to me. But uh, you got to remember, Holinsky's just a sophomore. He's still got plenty of time to to learn this system. Who knows? At the end of the season, he may be the the starting quarterback. We just don't know that right now. I did like the uh, the Doty uh, comments. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the what do you call it? The wildcock. The wildcock. Apparently, that's what they call it down there. I love it. I love it. He's gonna be, he's gonna have kind of that. Do you remember back in the day, Antoine Randall? Oh yeah. Yeah, that just just that little bit. He, he can be a receiver. He can, you know, he can run the ball. But he's you got to be careful because if not, you know, Tomlin's t taking the top off the defense and letting him air it out. So same thing here. I, I think I think he's going to be a focal piece. And who's to say by the end of the season he's not lead, leading this thing? So I have no idea, Mike. I, I, of all the quarterback controversies that are going around the SEC, I have zero clue who's going to be the starting quarterback and who will end it. Well, you know, I was talking to someone uh, that covers that team the other day, and he was thinking that the longer this thing goes, the more it favors Colin Hill. Yeah. But I'm going to take the opposite approach because I think the longer this thing goes – I think it favors Holinsky mm -hmm. because if they were going to name Colin Hill the starter, you know, if he was that good, he, he, if he understands the offense that much better than Holinsky, I think they just name, name him the quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think as this thing goes, you know, they're, they're probably, I don't want to say spoon feeding, but they're probably, you know, uh, giving it to Holinsky in small portions, seeing what he can do with it, 
hoping that he grasped the system because obviously he's the one with the premier talent, I would say, on that in right. that quarterback room. And um, the long, like I said, the longer this thing goes, I think it says that Halinski is really making this a competition. And at the end of the day, do you go with the guy that you know just knows the system, or do you go with the guy that can win you some ball games? And I, I think, think you, I, I think you got to go with the guy that can win you some games. That's that's me. And, and if you're sitting there. Going into, I mean, again, we're less than 30 days, so every snap is extremely valuable. There's going to come a point, and it's going to be sooner than later, they're going to decide a quarterback. And if it honestly is a 50-50 battle, why not go with the younger guy that has the higher upside? You could go with Hill, you know, but at the end of the season, you're just going to, I don't know, I feel like you wasted all that experience for Helensky. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, of course, you know me, I, I love Helensky. I think, I think he's got a bright future there at South Carolina. And, um, I just think he was in a bad spot last year with injuries and granted he's haven't learned an entirely new system this year, but so are the receivers. So is the running back. So is the lineman. There's everybody's learning a new offense. And, and, uh, one thing Helensky does know is, the athletes that are there. He, I'm sure he has a chemistry with Smith there. I'm sure he has a, a chemistry with some of the other talent that's on that team. And, and I think that probably is going to get, I don't know, stronger as this, as this off season continues. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to uh, Starkville next. If this guy sounds familiar, it's old Steve Spurrier, Junior, <laughs> Mike Leach's uh, receivers coach, and who knows? You know, in a couple of years here, he could be once again a could be the you know the next Spurrier head coach in the SEC. A lot mm-hmm. of good stuff from Steve Spurrier during his career. He used to coach at South Carolina under his dad. He's been with Mike Leach for a number of years. So you know, a mix of Spurrier's offense and Leach's offense is what you're getting here. And you know, we we all know what we're getting from Mississippi State offense and quarterbacks with Mike Leach, but the biggest thing all offseason that I've kind of been harping on, I don't know if they have the receivers to play the system. They brought in a number of guys. Sounds like Steve Spurrier's really fired up about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, in recent years, Mississippi State, for whatever reason, they've had talented guys, but they just dropped the damn ball so much. Mm-hmm. And Steve Spurrier is not here for that talk. Coach, last year drops were a bit of a problem. Last couple of years drops have kind of been a problem for Mississippi State receivers. You know, how, how do you kind of rep that out and kind of improve that? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about drops. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard punt returners. I've, I've, people mention little things here and there. Yeah, no, we, we'll find somebody that can catch the ball. And um, my criteria for receiver, I've got three things written in my room. It says get open, catch the ball, make plays. And, and, and catching the ball is the most important thing, but getting open and catching the ball will, will define you. If you can't catch the football, you, you can't play receiver. Uh, if you can't get open, it's, it's hard to catch the ball. Uh, but we've got, we got a lot of bodies out there. We've got a lot of guys running around and catching the ball, and, and, and the determining factor will be can you catch the ball. If you can't catch it, you, we'll send you to defense. Coach, you got a lot of newcomers, uh, a lot of freshmen in that 2020 class at receiver. Uh, just kind of your – Overall, first impressions of, of a guy like LaDietra Griffin and, and where is he kind of in camp right now? Yeah, I tell you what, all those guys are really talented. Uh, I like Tulu a lot. I think he's a special young man. He's tough. Um, he's he's going to make a difference for us this year. He is. I, I like the way he plays the game. And, 
and he's quick and fast and got a lot of twitch and he's tough uh, and he catches the ball real well. So he does a lot of things I'm looking for. Uh, you know, Rufus pulled his hamstring a little bit, missed a day or two, uh, but what he does is, is really good. And, and young Jaden Wally's a talented young man too. Watching him, he's an athletic guy. He's got a bright future here. So we're, we're trying to find the positions for all those guys and, and where they play, but they're different than the group of guys we have. You know, we got a bunch of big guys and, and then all of a sudden we signed some little quick fast guys that, uh, that are pretty impressive. I, I like what they do. Um, Caleb's a good player too. My boy Caleb Ducking's going to be a good player. He's got a talented future ahead of him. So I, li I like that group a lot. Coach, obviously Tyrell Shavers, his recruiting profile and where he comes from, a lot of high expectations from him from the outside. What have you seen on the inside and, and how he kind of fits in so far? Yeah, he's a talented young man. And, uh, and I told him that too. I said, the pressure is always on you because of your track record, because of your background, because of your history, because of your high school, because of your ranking, because of your size and speed. Uh, and everywhere you go, people expect you to be the best player out here. Um, so he's doing well. He's still learning the ropes a little bit, what we do and how we do it. But he is a talented guy that's quick, that can run, that's got good hands. And, uh, yeah, we expect good things from him. All right, Shane. So, I mean, it sounds like drops, not even in uh, Spurrier's vocabulary, sounds a mm -hmm. lot like his dad in that aspect. And uh, based on what he had to say here, it seems like he's pretty fired up about the guys he's got to work with there. Yes, but – and I don't want to I don't want to be negative Nelly here, but this is this is two coaches in a row that have dropped out some drop passes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you had the pirate on the other day said, and he wished these guys would take a little bit more ownership and then drop passes. And and now you got uh, head ball coach junior out here saying the exact same thing. So a <laughs> little worried, but younger younger crew so maybe that's just something that can be improved i mean they've got the jugs machine they got all kinds of uh things that they could do to improve their catching capabilities so i'm not worried about that i do like the fact that they've just got a a hodgepodge of receivers though it's not just it's not just one you know sometimes you watch these these teams and they got you remember old miss a few years back it was just big giant receivers <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's nice Mississippi state on the other side, they they've got big receivers, but they've also got a little scat guys, you know, that, that can play them, uh, you know, them tweeners. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this team and I'm excited about who emerges as the key receivers, because there's going to be somebody on here. Somebody made a comment and I, I can't remember their Twitter handle, but when you put that, uh, Amari Cooper record out, Mm-hmm. He said somebody at Mississippi State is probably going to break that this year. So <laughs> they may be right, Mike. All right, let's uh, jump on down next to old Rocky Top. Where one of our favorites, Jim Chaney, old big Jim, slim Jim there, met with the reporters. <laughs> he, he only gets to speak with them about once a year here. So, uh, I mean, that was pretty great. But this was on Thursday, and of course – you know, he was asked about Jarrett Garantano and the progression that uh, Tennessee's senior quarterback has made. And keep in mind, he's been at Tennessee five years. This is the first year where he's had the same offensive coordinator back-to-back -back years. So that, you know, how big is that? Jim Chaney talks about that. And then probably everybody's favorite player on Tennessee's roster on and off those five years is the backup quarterback. So they're t he asked uh, he discusses the backup quarterback competition and between JT Shroud it sounds like all the early buzz is Shroud is possibly the favorite to win that job and Jim Cheney doesn't do anything to downplay that talk and then 
Uh, he talks about Harrison Bailey, the guy that uh, Tennessee fans are eager to watch, and he's now back on the practice field. And finally, on Tennessee's young receivers, you know, they brought in a, about four or five guys at that position this offseason, and what they were trying to get was speed, speed, speed. And that's what Jim Cheney says they're getting in these young guys. I wanted to ask you this with uh, with Jared Garantano. Having him your second year, do you anticipate that he one has better understanding of what you want him to do and also that will lead to him being more consistent? Without any question, Jimmy, that's exactly the goal of every quarterback is to get them to execute the offense the way we want to, obviously. You know, and there's so much subjectivity that comes into the evaluations of quarterbacks. You know, he did this, he did that, he shouldn't have done that. We try to eliminate that and, and get rid of the subjectivity, and we quantify as much as we possibly can on, on the practice field. Every ball that comes out of their hand, it's either on target or not. The decision's either good or not, and that's what goes into these things. And we have a category that sometimes is not good, that when we do something really stupid with the ball that puts our team at risk. And so far up to date, you can see that he's demonstrating the importance of the ball and also understanding within our concepts. Those numbers continue to rise, and it's our objective way of being able to see growth and development. And I feel real comfortable that he's doing that right now. Are we where we need to be? No, not at all. But we got to continue to work to get better. So, yes, to answer your question, I feel very comfortable we should see some growth and development out of that position. Hey, Jim, um, back to, to Jarrett. Um, you know, last year he, he lost the starting job, got it back. You see a lot of quarterbacks at, at signs of trouble, you know, will head for the, the transfer portal. What was that like going through that situation with him? How did you see him handle it? And, and uh, you know, were there, were there ever any concerns that, um, you know, he, he might look elsewhere and, and, and not handle the situation like he did. You know, your action speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And his action spoke for the young man. So to, that uh, that's never been a questionable part with him. His, his competitive toughness has never been questioned. His resolve to be a starting winning quarterback at Tennessee has never been questioned. It's just going out on the field and performing at a high level consistently. And that's what we're going to try to get done this year with Jarrett. And I'm pleased with him. I like the kid a lot. He wants to be at Tennessee. He's a Tennessee Vol, and he wants to win football games. Hey, Jim, uh, sticking with the quarterbacks, uh, where have you seen growth in uh, J.T. Shrout, and, and how do you see him uh, – or, or where do you see him factoring into that quarterback competition? Well, the same thing with J.T. It's just familiarity, once again, of just knowing the concepts. And I feel like, once again, like I just mentioned to Jimmy, by the numbers, he seems to be doing a better job with the ball. With JT and young quarterbacks within new concepts, they tend to be a little reckless with the ball and putting it in spots we don't want it to go into. So we feel like being able to monitor that, they'll continually get better. And I think JT's done a really good job of that. There's a couple practices there, obviously, that he did some things we'd prefer him not to, like all quarterbacks do. But we have seen growth on that. It's just the security of the football is what we're looking for. But I feel like he's much more familiar within the concepts and progressing through where we need him to go. Where do you see that, that backup quarterback spot standing right now and, and uh, any of the young receivers standing out to you so far? 
Well, right now it's everybody's playing football. The equal reps across the board with with JT Bryan, also with Harrison, and we're doing giving everybody as many reps as we can. Nothing, everything's up in the air. We're way too early to make decisions on that. And coach is trying to keep us in the most competitive environments we can. They got to be put under the fire. They got we have to see how they're going to react when things happen like that to feel comfortable with them playing. They'll earn that two spot and that three spot and that four spot. Unfortunately, that's life. Somebody's going to get a little better than the other one, and we'll sort that out as the thing goes on. I feel like that's where we're at right now. So nothing's nothing's cut and dry one bit. There's competition throughout the the team, but particularly at that spot. Coach, I know he didn't practice last week, but just what have you seen from Harrison Bailey over the summer, and, and what do you think about his potential? I think Harrison's going to be a solid football player for us here. He's learning. He's learning. It's just the same old stuff. He's just like those young freshman wideouts. They're all learning everything. Unfortunately, Harrison got here early, but we only got two days of spring. So it would have been really nice to have had him all spring to see where he's at today, you know, where he's at right now. Yesterday he threw some very nice balls for us. So it's interesting to see how he continues to grow. It's obvious some of the concepts he has a grasp on. He plays fast and makes good decisions. Other ones that he's a little confused on, he plays a little slower. So he looks to me like just every other freshman quarterback I've had to deal with. They're just learning. The ones they know, they play quick and fine. But I'm pleased with Harrison as he continues to develop. The young receivers? Talent, very talented. They'll go fast, man. They might go the wrong way fast, and that, that creates some problems, but they're going fast on the football field. I'm very pleased with the kids that we brought in here as young wide receivers. I think they're going to be just fine. I think you'll see them on the football field helping us quite a bit. It's our job to get them ready to roll. You know, but they, I think they all have a passion for the game, which you really never know when you walk on the football field, the competitive character of these freshmen until you get them out there. You have an idea, but you really – they don't know, but these kids all love the game of football. That's the one quality they all share. They all want to be good, and they can all run. So, and they can all catch. There's a, there's even an added quality to a good wide receiver. They can catch, run, and they love football. So there's really no, not a lot of barriers other than knowledge that gets in their way of being productive. All right, Shane. So Jim Cheney sounds pretty fired up. He's a confident guy, and now he's going into year two of his offensive system here with under Jeremy Pruitt. How excited are you on these com- based on these comments on uh, what Tennessee is going to do on the offensive side of the ball? Ooh, baby. I love speed, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's some, if you think about Tennessee wide receivers, kind of like Old Miss, it's, it's always been these big-bodied guys. You, you got – I mean, you go back at Jawan Jennings, Marquez North. It just, it, it just seems like we've always just had some – Big physical receivers. Not that that's a bad thing, but this is a new new type of thing for Tennessee. Uh, seeing the speed, I, I haven't seen uh, superior speed on the on the outside in a long, long time, buddy. Yeah, and that's something that's been plaguing Tennessee. You know, you think back to some of the big wins under Jeremy Pruitt. You know, the Auburn game that first year, South Carolina last year, Missouri at the tail end there. I mean, these were receivers making huge plays, but a lot of them, you know, had to be perfect throws on mm-hmm. third and long and what have you. And it was just, you can't run an effective offense if you don't have explosive plays. And as good as Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway were, you know, they were good for a couple, but they were mostly all downfield. You know what I mean? Like right. Tennessee's not had that guy that uh, 
You know, how many times we watch Alabama or LSU or one of these teams where they catch like a three-yard pass and take it 60 to the house, you know? Exactly. That'll break the back of a defense, and you just can't nickel and dime teams in the SEC and and have success, you know, year in and year out. So uh, that's something that Tennessee has addressed, and it certainly sounds like uh, Jim Chaney and company are going to be pretty happy to work with all the toys they got this year. Absolutely. I'm excited to see them, and – and Tennessee's known for those little wide receiver bubble screens, so I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that. But like you said, it's different when you got to uh, when you, I mean you can't coach speed, Mike. If if you have it, you you got it, and it's it, like you said, it could just hurt the defense so much. You could have everybody in place, but if you can't bottle the kid up, then next thing you know, you're watching the back of his jersey as he goes for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's. Uh, Kick it on down to College Station where Gigamagus. Jimbo Fisher did speak, but didn't really say a ton that I thought was uh, too interesting here. But he did announce that senior receiver Cam Buckley out for the year. He has also torn his ACL, uh, just like the Georgia receiver Dominique Blaylock. So tough day of news here, injury news in the SEC uh, Cam Buckley played. He's played in every game of the Jimbo Fisher era there at Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, it's not like he was some kind of game-breaking receiver. But the Aggies already losing two guys early to the NFL at the receiver position. Buckley was primed to have a big year, so that's, you know, it's really unfortunate to lose him. But, you know, they've got some other guys they're pretty excited about, and Aeneas Smith is one of them. You know, he's switching. Late last year, he switched from receiver to running back. Now mm-hmm. it sounds like they're keeping him at running back. And my goodness, Shane, he's pretty fired up about what yeah. these Aggies can do on the ground. Now that you're in the running back room and or that's your full-time position, how do you feel like your skill set complements Isaiah Spiller's skill set as a one-two punch in the backfield? Man, I don't think – I believe we're going to be the best duo – that's in that's in college football period because he has natural abilities that a lot of people are not able to do as y'all saw last year he rushed for nearly a thousand yards as a freshman and he just getting started and for me i was just getting started also so i mean it's just we have a lot of tools in the backfield not even in the backfield but out wild it's just we have a lot of assets on the team and it's going to be an interesting year A nice moving back to running back, more of this we saw it in the bowl game, the option stuff with, with Kellen Mond and you and Isaiah back there together. How much of that is, is in the playbook without giving getting Jimbo in trouble? But how exciting could the option game be this year, both of y'all back there next to Kellen? Uh, what I'm going to say is we have a lot of tools on the offense, and this year we're going to use them. All right, man, you're not going to get much uh, bolder talk than that, huh? Best one-two combo with him and Spiller in the nation. How about it? Are we sleeping on him, Mike? I'm I not. mean, this this is a, a lot of confidence, but there's a lot of great one-twos out there. So is this the best? Let me, let's me let forget the country. Let's just talk about the SEC right now. Mm-hmm. Where would you have that combination? Uh, would you be sitting them at the top or close to it? Nope. <laughs> I'd probably go – I'm probably thinking Alabama, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. That's got to be close to the top. Georgia, Zeus, and Cook, James Cook. That's right up there because I'm thinking all indications, Zeus is going to be huge. Rose and Smoke. 
got to be up there. That's up there, but that's almost like a trio because they got Chris Rodriguez yeah, too. True, so yeah. I don't really even consider them. But yeah, hell, you could interchange, take one out, put one in. Kentucky's mm-hmm. right up there too. But yeah, then right there, I'd probably put the Aggies and what they can do. And you know, I'm pretty interested interested to see. You know, they don't want to give anything away here, but talking some option football and you know, for all the flack that Kellen Mond gets. Him running the ball has, has been when he's been the most effective in his career. So you wonder how much they're going to run him in a 10-game SEC schedule. But in key situations, I mean, this could be deadly. Yeah. But this is this is the fun thing about Texas A&M. It, you, you, we are talking about yesterday with Alabama and the continuity they have. So does Texas A&M. This isn't a new offense. This isn't this isn't a new quarterback. Kellen Mond's been around forever, and he knows the playbook front to back. But now's the time they can implement this special stuff. So you're seeing more of this option talk, and Lord knows what what they're going to be able to draw up. So I'm I'm excited about this offense. Uh, it can only improve from last year, and the fact you, that they they've pretty much got their depth chip depth chart settled mm-hmm. it's, it's just now just it's, it's just fine-tuning they're they're already ahead of the game everybody here we're talking in arkansas about who the top five offensive linemen are texas a&m's deciding if they want an option or not you know what i'm saying so <laughs> there's just a totally different you know mindset down there at texas a&m all right final stop here around the league shane let's jump on down to the plains a war damn eagle Auburn linebacker Owen Popo, one of the better players here on the defense here. He's going to be number zero this year. But uh, he met with the media on Thursday. Just This is a brief clip here, but he didn't really want to say too much. You could tell if you watch the video, you'd see you know, how, how reserved and, and tra- he's biting his tongue here. But he was asked about the offense, Chad Morris's offense. He seems damn impressed by it. Worm yesterday said that you know they're trying to do some more things to get running backs one on one against linebackers. Eli said there's more intermediate routes in the offense. Just how different has it looked going up against this offense with Chad Morris so far in practice? I would say, man, salute to Chad Morris. I like we talk about it almost every day in the linebacker room, man. Like they do stuff that yeah. I can't really say too much about it, but y'all, y'all gonna see this season, man. It's gonna look like a whole new Auburn offense, man. Just all the stuff that he's brought in is is ridiculous, but they, they're looking really good out there. All right, Shane. I don't think there's anybody outside of Fayetteville that's given Chad Morris more grief than we have. Uh huh. But as you like to say, that's in the past. This is a new new team. He's got new players to work with here, and hell, if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm pretty fired up because it sounds like one of our best players is pretty. Fired up to see the offense on with Chad Morris running it. Yeah, I just thought, yeah, we were we were talking about him last year too. (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, I I I I I give him Chad the the I want to I'm giving him how do you say that Mark the benefit of the doubt. That's the that's what the terminology I'm trying to use. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think that this is going to help Gus more than it will this offense because now Gus can take a step back and appreciate the entire team, not just one side of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he knows exactly what Coach is going to do, and I'm sure Morris ain't going to do anything that Gus doesn't want him to do. Right. And uh, so – but I, the, if the defense is excited – 
I don't know if that's, I don't know if that gives me goosebumps or if it just gives me pause to think that maybe we will see a, a different style of offense next year. I, I still think it's going to be a lot of Gus out there, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that this offense will be, it has to be better, Mike. It has to be. Yeah. I mean, and they're going to need it to be to, if they're going to live up to this hype and, you know, I'm kind of coming around them a little bit. I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking. I think Auburn might be better than I than I suspect they're going to be. All right, Shane. So that's all I got on this uh, edition here. You got anything before we hop off? But yeah, Mike, I've got some reviews. Uh oh. All right, Mike. First off, I appreciate everybody taking the time to give us the five star ratings on iTunes. It really does help us out. And apparently. Mm-hmm. They've been busy, Mike. You've been busy at the post office smelling them uh, koozies, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know it. All right. Well, the first one, Mike, I've got is from Huntington23. It just means more. Five star. Boys, I'm up in Michigan, and I've been listening to you guys for a year or so, and I really enjoy every minute. Nothing comes close to your podcast in big B1G country. I've always loved watching SEC football, especially Alabama, and now since apparently certain conferences have let <coughs> politics get in the way, I guess it really doesn't mean more. I guess it really does mean more than the SEC. Anyhow, I'm officially trading in my Go Blue for Roll Tide. My two-year-old son will thank me one day. Keep it going, fellas. God bless. Well, Huntington 23, we welcome you and appreciate you buddy yeah thanks Huntington welcome to the good side next that's right buddy burn that jersey next one comes and then pleated khakis (laughs) (laughs) next one comes from Rach09 awesome pod perfect for SEC five star great content for all the SEC and non-SEC fans informational but fun venue to discuss all the main storylines of the sec as a miami fan and an acc fan i have to admit it makes me want to jump to the sec bandwagon after hearing all these great convos on the pod if i were to adopt the 2020 team it would have to be the kentucky wildcats a great offensive line run game and coach don't be shocked if the wildcats win the east and even shock Mm -hmm. alabama well, Rach, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rach. Absolutely, man. One at a time, Mike. One at a time. <laughs> Next one comes from H Puff. H Puff Eleven. Great show. Five star. How do you feel Tennessee is going to finish with the new schedule they're given? Well, H Puff, I appreciate the review. And undefeated comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, I it's gonna be a tough one, buddy. I, I think I hope that we at least get six. Uh, oh, it'd be awesome to get seven. Where are you at, Mike? I'll go seven and three for Tennessee. Seven and three. All right, ten and zero for Shane. Tricky Nikki Z. This one's five star. Great pod. Moved out to Utah for work from God's country in Knoxville. This pod does a great job keeping me up to date with all things SEC out here in Pac-12 country. Y'all, oh, I don't like Pac-12 either. Y'all hit me up for the BYU-UT game in a couple years. Beers on me. Well, Tricky Nicky, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one. I, can we even get beer in Utah? 
Oh, we're going to sneak it. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Yeah, all right, Cujo. Next one comes from BBD. A lot of letters. Love the podcast. Five star. I listen to mostly podcasts while working or driving. I really enjoyed this podcast. It's entertaining, but does have a ton of information throughout the SEC. One of my favorite parts is when they go around the league. As a fan, I enjoy keeping up with all Razorback info, but being able to have info shared from all the SEC, that is nice. Keep up the content. Well, BBD, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, BB. Next one comes from Unicorn Rides. Cool name. Comprehensive SEC coverage. Five star. Mike and Cousin Shane do a great job covering the entire SEC. Mike brings the meat and potatoes of audio and information, and Shane delivers the culture perspective and medical advice <laughs> that all conference commissioners should have, such as misting fans ahead of the thermometer checkpoints. <laughs> Golly, I did have that idea. Keep it up, guys. Keith in Georgia. Well, Keith in Georgia, I appreciate you. Yeah, I actually work with Keith, so thanks, Keith. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. This next one comes from Hottie Toddy from Virginia. Hottie Toddy from Virginia, five-star. Great weekly podcast that covers all the SEC teams, entertaining and informative. I appreciate all the work you guys put into the podcast. I put on the headphones and listen to your podcast while doing all those household chores. I tell all my SEC fans to tune in. Over 60 listener. Well, hottie toddy, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, hottie toddy. Next one comes from Too Many. One, two, a lot of numbers. My favorite commuter podcast, five star. I love this podcast. I listen to it so much that when I'm commuting, when I'm commuting to school, it's where I get all the SEC news and stories. Their positive takes keep me in the mood all the time. I've been listening to every podcast lately, and sorry, the beer's catching up to me here, Mike. Podcast lately and followed on Twitter. Even got a follow back. I love it. Well, too many. One, two, three, a lot of numbers. I appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate that one, too many. Next one comes from DV Dot, my weekly go to. Star, looking forward to meeting this cast every week. Have all my friends following now too. One of the best unbiased SEC shows that is still interesting every time you turn it on. I get a cold shiver when that first beer opens on the show. Well, DV Doc, so do I. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that one. Thanks for all the uh, getting all your buddies to listen. That's awesome. Yeah, Next that's one. a that's a great way to spread the word. Absolutely. Next one comes from Dr. J. Murder. Uh, <laughs> all right. Awesome. SEC comprehensive discussion. Five star. Great production, fellas. Nice to laugh and keep up to date with the SEC football. Hey, Shane, you Homer Pit Boss going to bring some of those orange tears when we beat them balls? Go Hogs. Well, <laughs> Dr. J. Murder. I ain't going to be crying because we're going to be winning, baby. <laughs> I hope. But anyway, Doctor, is I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, Murda. All right, next one comes from K3 Feely. Hey, buddy, five star. Cousin Shane has one of the best personalities, and it almost makes me feel guilty for how bad my Florida Gators have to beat his balls down <laughs> year after year. Wish I was part of the family just to talk football at Thanksgiving. Thanks for all the info you do and work. And both the work that you do, fellas. Well, K3, I appreciate you. Go yeah. easy on us this year. <laughs> appreciate you. Uh, 
You know, it's so funny, Mike. Going into that Gator game, I always had that sick feeling, you know? Almost like like you got a test you haven't studied for, that feeling, you know? Like you're going to get exposed bigger than shit. <laughs> I think Jeremy Pruitt's got that same feeling. Oh, man. Anyway, I don't like that feeling. Next one comes from DH1727. Funny and informative. Five-star. Good, informative, takes the right amount of levity. Oh, my gosh, Mike, we got some big words. Levity, is that how you say that? L-E-V-I-T-Y? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Oh, okay. To keep it entertaining. It's amazing that two guys can find the color orange appealing and are not capable of putting complete sentences together. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> but are able to create one of the best podcasts going. Great job, fellas. Keep up the good work and go dogs. Well, Levity, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that one, DH. <laughs> Next one comes from Dog Nation Takeover. Great SEC podcast. Five star. I listen to almost every episode of the podcast. I listen to my Georgia podcast, but it's also I like to keep up with the SEC, and this podcast is how I do it. Great podcast, and would like to crack a cold one with Cousin Shane. Well, go dogs. Well, Dog Nation, I'd love to crack one with you. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Dog Nation. Next one comes from Yo Mama. <laughs> Killer name. Thanks, Mom. Awesome podcast. A great podcast. Love listening to it. It keeps me laughing. Well, Yo Mama, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for the laugh, Mama. Next one comes from Southern Hog. Good stuff. Five star. Great information. Entertaining to have an SEC podcast to get us. Through the offseason, it's nice to have a different voice than Feinbaum and ESPN. Well, Southern Hog, I appreciate you. Appreciate you, Hog. Last but not least, Mike, this is from Blake DeArmond. This guy's followed us from day one. He's tweeted out pictures down there in Mardi Gras. He sent us koozie pics several times on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to let uh, my youngin read this one here. This comes from Blake. Let your daughter read this, Shane. Five star. <laughs> you both know I don't just do reviews anymore for... Koozies. Koozies. <laughs> As you have witnessed me sport mine, I just wanted to shout out and say that I have always loved this podcast and Shane and Mike have done... Ex <laughs> the apple didn't fall far, Mike. <laughs> Exceptionally. <laughs> Exceptionally well yeah. with the off season. Considering the Oh, unforeseen circumstances. Uh, unforeseen <laughs> circumstances. Oh god. Circumstances. Maybe we should do this. <laughs> that we have been in. You both work hard to give us a great content. All great content. <laughs> And go in-depth. And go in-depth with each team. Maybe one day I will actually listen to this podcast after a LSU loss. Keep it up. Yay! Blake, I appreciate Well, Blake, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Blake. Appreciate you. And uh, thank, thank you, little one there, Shane. That was awesome. Absolutely. I think if anything ever happens to you, should have slide right <laughs> on in. <laughs> She's 28 years old, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate, honestly, Mike, I appreciate all the reviews. 
We had a ton of them this week. Uh, SEC football, man, it's it's less than 30 days away, buddy. So I, I'm pumped. I don't know about you, Mike, but uh, I'm ready to drink some more cold ones. Absolutely, and I can tell by those reviews are piling up. Fans are getting excited for football. It's just around the corner here, so stick with us here. We're going to have tons of great stuff coming up as we get closer and closer to the season. I can't wait for it. Just want to say thanks for everyone sending those reviews in. And like, uh, obviously, we'll read them on the show, send you a koozie. So uh, that, that really does go a long way to grow in the show. And we really do appreciate each and every one of those. I think that's going to do it, buddy. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Falls. <laughs>